Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, everybody, another training camp edition of the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550, Matt Bovee, Channel 7 Sports Director in Buffalo, WK. BWTV. Matt is actually in Buffalo today. I'm out at camp. He had some duties back there for TV, so uh, wasn't able to see practice. So I could give you a rundown of what happened, but what's it like back in Buffalo today? You holding down the fort? Yeah, it's weird because it's the first training camp practice I've missed up to this point. So I'm like frantically putting notifications on for a bunch of our colleagues that cover the team just to make sure that I don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. You you really do have FOMO when you cover the team and you have to miss a day and it happens here or there. I had an event that I had to help out with to MC, so I couldn't get out to practice. But I know that we've got a good crew there. My colleague Dom Tibbetts mm-hmm. is out there and you know, you can fill me in too. Nice and easy. It's a nice perk. Okay. I think I know what FOMO is. What's FOMO? Fear of missing out. Oh, no, I did not. I had no idea. Fear of missing out. I figured you'd tell me. I go, oh, yeah, I know that. I did not know that. Is that is that what the cool kids say, FOMO now? I don't even think it's like what the cool kids say. I think that was probably like a couple years ago. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's one of those times on this. Yeah, well, like it's probably now already dated, so you'll never need to know it again. I mean, my eight-year-old's calling me bra and bra now. So, I mean... Bra? Yeah, my eight-year-old. Like B-R-A-H? Yeah, and bra. bra. Like, what's up? Sup, bra? Yeah, that's my my eight year old's doing that now. Like to mom and dad, by the way, doesn't matter. Doesn't bras apparently like unisex, right? Does not matter what gender. Like yeah. that's what my my son is calling both of us. We're like I don't know what's up with you, bra. Like what's up, dude? <laughs> well, you Max know? has like a really cool vibe, and based <laughs> off of like all of the other little kids that he's hanging out with, whether yeah. he's playing baseball or lacrosse, that's probably what they call each other. You know, they say it in their little like eight-year-old voice they're like hey brah so oh, yeah he's there's, just no using it on you guys. there's no doubt about it we welcome you in of course please subscribe uh apple itunes spotify odyssey app wherever you do it man wherever you pod we're here for you then the uh downloads and numbers are really starting to increase a lot because people want to get more bills content and that's why we're here we're going to be can keep keep doing this thing for you. We're going to be doing podcasts throughout camp and preseason. And then the regular season is going to come and Matt and I are going to be doing it twice a week. We got reviews, previews, interviews. It's going to be super cool before. Hey, I get, yeah, go ahead. Before, before you fill me in on what yeah. I missed for the Thursday practice, can you tell me how McAfee was? Cause it was awesome to watch that. And I am a huge Pat McAfee fan. So when I saw that you were going to be on Pat McAfee, I was just really, really pumped. I basically like, coordinated my schedule around 1 30 wow. afternoon Thank so you. i could watch that's... it live and you did a great job but how Thank was you. it that's an honor i appreciate that 
It was pretty amazing. It was surreal to even be asked to go on. I was literally doing the extra point show on WGR when a producer reached out to me and I'm Matt, I'm staring at my phone going, does he mean like the real Pat McAfee show? Like, I don't know if they really are asking me to go on there. And sure enough, I'm like, yeah, it's it's 130. They're live. I'm like, of course I'll go on. So I go home. I say to Yana, I'm going on the Pat McAfee show. She's like, what's that? She doesn't even know. And I'm like, let me explain to you about this show, how popular it is. And then I said, but you don't understand, like there's a different vibe on the show. You got to be a little different and match their energy. Yeah. Now for me, Matt, and you, you're very similar to me. We're just mm-hmm. high energy guys, yeah. right? We, we're, we, we're positive, we're high energy. So that fits my element, there's no doubt. But then I'm like playing with the, they, they did over FaceTime actually, which is kind of interesting to, mm-hmm. on a fa- platform like that. I'm playing with the, the setting and the surrounding. Like, how do I look? If I stand here and I go there. So I, I decided to stand up, brought the energy. It seemed like they really loved it. I've been in contact with them since. They all followed me on Twitter, which is pretty cool. Um, I think they're going to have me back, I think, the way they talked, which is really awesome. I swore a little bit. I think they like that. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're all good, man. It was a, it was awesome to be on something like that. It really is one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, it was really, really cool. You did a great job. I think you represented, you know, the Bills and the Bills media really well. So good job there. And I knew that it was good because, like, I am such a McAfee guy that basically whatever would have happened, I would have been enamored with. But I was home and my wife was watching and she doesn't know anything about Pat McAfee, but we were watching it live. And she was like, who is this guy? He is so much fun. And I was (laughs) like, yeah, he's just an absolute riot. Like, this is what his show is like, basically every single day so she was getting a kick out of it too so that's amazing it, i mean it's just like yeah so it was really really good so job well done no i appreciate that a lot so uh thank you very much and by the way bill's mafia bill's fans uh, thank you for so much love ever so many messages i got after that matt you know you're talking to me about it and i appreciate it but so many people reached out that, that did watch it and all the love i've been getting i just really truly appreciate it so really happy to do it and hope to um do it again so today matt um you know i First, let me know. Do you agree with the sentiment if I say I think the DBs have had the upper hand against the wide receivers so far? Um, all things, all things being equal, and now it's not easy, of course, in one on ones all the time. But whether it's one on one or eleven on eleven, I would say through camp, from what we've seen, I think the DBs have done a, a really good job. I think they've done a good job. I don't know if I would go quite to that they've had the upper hand. Okay. I would think that it would be a little bit more give and take because I feel like maybe they've done a better job with some of the more secondary options, mm-hmm. but like Diggs and Davis have just been yep. eating every time they're in those drills. So I don't know, maybe I'm like kind of front loading the conversation, but I would say it's closer to like a tie than it is to one side in that specific matchup, having the upper hand. Totally fair today. You would not say that the wide receivers dominated today all across the board. I mean, they just crushed it today. I, I in the one-on-one drills, Wide receiver after wide receiver, just running a great route and great balls being thrown by the QBs, especially Allen. Um, touchdowns, it didn't matter, man. They just, it seemed like they could not be stopped. And then finally, Taron Johnson had a really good rep and he stopped one. But I mean, it didn't matter who was catching the ball. It didn't matter what route it was being run. It didn't matter who was throwing the ball. The wide receivers, I thought, dominated today. And then on the very first play of 11 on 11, Stefan Diggs catches a ball. He gets bumped. He turns around. And starts to throw hands basically with Greg Russo. And you're like, oh my God, here we go again. That spilled over. And on the second play, and I don't know if these two things are related because maybe the offense got mad. On the second play, I would say, Matt, the best, prettiest pass I've seen out here in camp all camp long. Josh Allen deep to Gabe Davis. Unbelievable floater down the sidelines right over the head of Dane Jackson and just before DeMar Hamlin could get there. Yeah, I mean... I guess that's good to hear because I would still say 
to this point, the defense as a whole has had an upper hand on the offense, but it's kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, how much weight are we going to put into this because of who is playing at offensive line? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think up to this point they've had more than two of their starters on the line at the same time for any day of practice. We're still waiting on, I mean, like I said, I wasn't there Thursday. I'm assuming Spencer Brown probably wasn't out there taking team drills, right? Pretty much. That's correct. Yes. Okay. That is and right, then, yes. Yeah. And then you've got the other guys who are still missing. I know Ryan Bates is working back from his injury. I know Roger Saffold is still dealing with the ribs. So I know that it's going to eventually get back to more of a starting unit that we were, I guess, thinking we were going to see. The The offense has been a little bit hit or miss. I don't think they've been able to stretch the field quite like they anticipate that they're going to be able to during training camp, just because the protection maybe hasn't been up to the level that they expect it to be. But I wouldn't take anything away from Davis or Diggs because I think that even though Isaiah McKenzie has been kind of the sweetheart of training camp, I think those two guys, they're one and two Diggs and Davis have looked awesome. I agree with that. I think McKenzie's had an awesome camp. Um, I will tell you, I think today was a real good day for the offense that they needed in that passing regard, but you're 100% right about the offensive line. Um, That'll bring us to actually, I asked you, what do you want to talk about? You had a suggestion. I write the arrow up, arrow down column for WGR550.com after every game. And you said, how about we kind of do something like that? And so we can kind of do it however we want to phrase it. If it's arrow down, I would say the O-line right now through these two weeks, I would give a down, but with the caveat that they haven't been very healthy. I mean, Matt, today, again, and look, I know Bills fans hate hearing this, but like Bobby Hart was at one of the starting guard spots today. Yeah, I know. They're, they're, they're using different people because they have to, and obviously there's opportunity there, but you, you need to get these guys back. Let's do it this way, and I agree with what you said. Let's start with the offense, and let's each do an arrow up, arrow down for the offense, and okay. then you know we can take a quick break, and then we'll do it defensively. Does that work? For sure. And I, I want to say, for me, arrow up and arrow down might not just be how they've performed. It might be, I think this guy's behind because he's not getting an opportunity. That's like fair. Just what I see, what I see from people. Um, before we do that, just on the offensive line and the injuries, are you concerned? Like, at what point are you going to be like, okay, they got it? Like, they haven't had these guys back. Deion Dawkins is back. We know that after yeah. missing a couple of days. And Mitch Morris, that's two of the five. The others, Roger Saffold. Um, we're, we're assuming Ryan Bates, Roger Saffold, and Spencer Brown are the other starters. Bates did return today, but he didn't take 11 on 11 work. I would say I'm going to be concerned if they don't get any live reps in a preseason game, but. Up until that point, I don't think I'm going to be overly concerned. We'll see how it plays out. I'm one of those people who I don't think like Josh Allen needs to step on the field in the preseason. I don't think Diggs does. I don't think Von Miller does anything like that. But with some of the new pieces that they've had on the offensive line, even though those guys have NFL experience, like Roger Saffold has played a bunch of games in this league. He probably doesn't need live reps to be able to just roll out and play week one. I do think it's important from just like a chemistry standpoint to see kind of how they work as a cohesive unit. So I would like to see them together in a preseason game, even if they're not protecting for Josh Allen, but I'm not going to be overly concerned if, you know, they miss a game, two games. Cause like at this point, I wouldn't expect any of those guys to be ready for the first game, maybe the second game, if they come back soon. But for me, try and have them back in Charlotte for that third preseason game, regardless of who's playing quarterback, give them a couple different series just to kind of get out there, shake off some of the rust a little bit. And then I think they'll still be ready to go in time for the season. And just a couple of house cleaning items before we get to how we're going to do the arrow up, arrow down. Um, speaking of availability, 
Sean McDermott did tell us before Thursday's practice that Jordan Poyer should miss maybe a week or two is how he put it. He said days, maybe a week or two. That's obviously great news. I think we all expect him now to be back before the season opener. But the one that is actually, um, I think, now very interesting, Matt, Marquez Stevenson, this looks like weeks, I think, if I remember what McDermott said. if he used, I think he used the term weeks. He used the word weeks. And that's not good for a guy fighting for a spot, obviously, at a very pretty crowded position. No, it's not, especially for him. But I almost think it bails the Bills out again of having to make one of those decisions when right. it comes to constructing their 53-man roster because they can either you know give him an injury designation or put him on the practice squad. I, like I, I think it would have already been probably an uphill battle for him to make the 53-man roster based off of what we've seen the first two weeks into training camp. Now, I think that's almost impossible that he's going to be on the 53-man roster, but I still think they want to keep him around and just kind of see what he is because of the limited sample size. So I would venture to guess he's still in the organization in some capacity after training camp ends. I just don't think it's going to be the 53-man roster. All right, let's do a little arrow up, arrow down. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. All right, Matt, let's... uh... I like the idea, man. Thank you. A little love to arrow up, arrow down. I'll be starting that again after the first preseason week. So let's start with the offense. Like you said, I'll let you get first crack at this. You can go up or you can go down, but give me one of them. Ooh. Well, what are you? Are you a glass half full guy or a glass half empty guy? You have to be a glass oh, half full glass person, full, right? right? I have totally, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. I always look at the positive side of things. See, I think I pretend to always look at the positive side of things, but I'm more of like a little bit of a glass half full. A little too person. critical sometimes. Excuse me, right. excuse me, a glass half empty person. Gotcha. Yeah, sometimes I am a little too critical. So I'll start with the arrow up just because I'm going to try and exude some positivity here. And for me, I'm going to try and do a little bit more under the radar, guys, because like the arrow is already shooting up on Diggs. It's already shooting up on Davis. I'm going to go David Questenberry. Just because even like though it. we're talking about even though we're talking about the offensive line and the struggles that they've had, you've made the comparison the last couple pods, and I really like it that he might be their new Ryan Bates. And I think that every team kind of needs a guy like that because it feels like when there's injuries, the offensive line is always one of the first positions where things start to get decimated. So I think he's got versatility that they really like. I think he's got the experience that they like. And I think he's a nice insurance policy to have because if there's a tackle who goes down if there's a guard who goes down i think he's gonna kind of be the first backup that puts themselves back into the fold and i think that's good because i think it is one of the most important positions on the field yeah i really like that one um i do think i think questionberry is very important he's actually been getting a lot of reps uh, at right tackle in place of spencer brown but we know he can play different positions all right i'll go an arrow up here 
I, I'm going to go with Zach Moss. We've talked yeah. about him and you know, you've mentioned too, you know, that maybe we've all kind of dismissed him a little bit too early, Matt, he's getting opportunity and, and he looks good. And I think he might've been more impacted by the playoff injury of 2020 through the 21 season more than we all know, because he obviously did not look like the same Zach Moss last year. And now you're like going to this year. Well, he's fighting for a spot. I think Zach Moss has looked really good. Um, I talked to him after practice one day. Yeah, I think he said he maybe been a couple pounds pounds down, but he looks he looks a little bit different, but it's pretty much the same weight. He does look a little bit shiftier. He does look a little bit faster. And again, that might be the product of maybe being completely healthy. The biggest reason, though, I'm giving him the arrow up. He has looked better and he has looked good, but he's getting opportunity. And I think he's going to be squarely a part of this team. And I think that that's a good sign, obviously, for the Bills. But I also think it was probably an eye-opener when they went out in the offseason and they tried to sign J.D. McKissick and that fails. And then they used the resource they did on James Cook. It probably sent a message to the entire running back room like, listen, there is going to be a lot of competition. It is not a foregone conclusion that you are going to be on the team. It was a foregone conclusion for Zach Moss' first two training camps with the Buffalo Bills that he was going to be on the 53-man roster. And then... Maybe not in his mind, but there was some outside noise of like, oh, maybe he's not going to make the team. Maybe they're going to move on. And maybe that little lit a little bit of a fire under him. And he was like, no, I can still help this team. I can still contribute. I was a third round pick. Like, I'm going to make a difference. So I think when you look at all the different factors, maybe we were too quick to immediately get to the fact of like, oh, maybe he won't be because he still has a really cost controlled contract. Devin Singletary is going into the last year of his rookie contract. And I just don't see the bills as a team that want to go out and spend a bunch of money. So if the plan kind of takes its course, I would imagine that James Cook, maybe next year, assuming they don't keep Singletary and who knows, maybe they will. But if they move on from Singletary, maybe James Cook becomes the one a, even though he's not like your typical in between the tackles guy. And then Zach, Moss becomes your 1B because you would have him for one more year with a cost-controlled contract. So I think Zach Moss is going to be on this team. I think that he's going to have a role. I don't think he's going to have as big of a role as Singletary or Cook, but I still think he's going to have a role and they're going to have a healthy rotation with those guys. All right, let's go arrow down. I'll start with this one. I'm going to go arrow down to any wide receiver not named Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, or Shakir. And the reason is, A... Some just haven't been on the field. Crowder has missed way too much time. He's now back. Kumaro missed a bunch of time. He's now back. And honestly, like I just haven't seen the flash from Tavon Austin I've wanted to see that we all thought we'd see a little bit earlier and what we saw from camp. Now, that doesn't mean that he hasn't made his share of plays every once in a while, but remember the first week or so, oh, Tavon Austin still looks really good. Going back to OTAs and minicamp, he looked really good. Now you have Marquez Stevenson on the shelf, of course. So really, those four guys, Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, and Shakir, they're the ones standing out as crowded as that position group is, Matt. I'm going to need another guy or two to really kind of step up Hodgins. Actually, Isaiah Hodgins has flashed last couple of days, even today. Again, I'm starting to get him a little bit more of a chance here because of what I'm saying. I need a couple of those guys to step up more. Yeah, I agree with you, especially on the Hodgins one, because I know when they drafted him, everybody was like, oh, this guy just makes every catch. And there were some really high expectations for him, given where he was drafted. It almost felt like there was a little bit more buzz about Hodgins than there even was about Gabe Davis when they got the two of them. And it felt like Hodgins was kind of like the better value pick. And maybe there was a little bit of more uncertainty with Davis. So I do think I agree with that. I would have actually said Jamison Crowder specifically for my arrow down, but just for the sake of the conversation, I'm going to go with OJ Howard. And this is not 
like a big knock on OJ Howard. He is going to be on the 53 man roster. He's going to play a role on this team. I think when they signed OJ Howard, I was expecting maybe a little bit more of a complete tight end threat. And after watching him two weeks into camp, it still feels like there's a pretty big gap between Dawson Knox and him. And when they signed him, I was like, oh, it's an insurance policy for Dawson Knox if anything happens. Because last year when their tight end got hurt, they really struggled to get into a groove. And now you've got that kind of built in like, oh, if anything happens to Dawson, at least we've got Howard. I thought they would run more two tight end sets this year. Maybe they still will. He just doesn't have the same jump that Knox does. And maybe that says more about Knox than it even says about Howard. But I think that it's a pretty clearly defined Dawson Knox is one. Then there's a huge gap. Then it's OJ Howard. And actually to me has had a fairly decent camp. I kind of think that he's like firmly on the roster bubble. If he doesn't make the team, I'd expect him to be on the practice squad. But for me, I'll say OJ Howard, just because maybe my expectations were a little bit. All right, let's go. Uh, to the defensive side, and I'll let you start again. You want to go arrow up, and we'll do it the same way? Yeah, I'll go arrow up on the defensive side. My pick is going to be third-round pick Terrell Bernard. He has been awesome. Like, yeah. so, so good. Right. And he keeps flashing. He keeps making the splash plays that we always talk about with the linebackers. And it honestly has me thinking more about the future than it has me thinking short term. Like, I think he is a nice piece as a depth player, but I really don't see situations when he gets on the field on the defense unless somebody gets hurt because. He's not going to play like the AJ Klein role where you come in and if you're trying to get big, you put him out on the field. I I really don't see that, but it makes me wonder, do they feel comfortable going with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano in the future? Or do they feel comfortable re-signing Tremaine Edmonds and parting ways with Matt Milano? And this is a very preliminary conversation, but Terrell Bernard has been good. We'll wait and see until there's actual games. But that dude at Baylor just made plays. Like, he was just one of those guys. He's undersized, but he made plays. And with the new way the NFL is going, speedy, fast line. Like, look at Matt Milano. I think Matt Milano is one of the most underrated players on this team. And they've got a very similar kind of, like, body type, build, vibe, the way they play the game. So I think for right now, Terrell Bernard is going to be more of a depth piece. But I think in the future, as the salary cap becomes more complicated for this team, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a bigger role on the defense in a few years. I love it. I've talked a lot about him on WGR. I do think he has a role as a third linebacker or nickel, like a, a um, um, big nickel safety kind of in a way against certain teams yeah. like like I'm thinking the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Ravens roll out there, those tight ends and the running game, and they don't have those mm-hmm. big wide receivers. Wouldn't you want to get Taron Johnson off the field and replace him with a Terrell Bernard, right? I think that's the role he can play. See, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I feel like in that situation, you would probably still lean towards Saran Neal because he might be a little faster than Terrell Bernard and he maybe fits more of like that specific role. Mm-hmm. But he's like the first guy that I think of. I'm like, oh, maybe you bring Terrell Bernard out there because he's got so much position flexibility. But I think like they did with the bigger tight ends or with the big running backs and they'd put Saran out there. I still think that that's probably going to be the case. I'm glad you brought up Saran Neal. He is actually my arrow up right here and to talk about it because he's done a really good job. I was going to say Ed Oliver, but he's kind of in that, like we all know Ed Oliver's really good. He's actually had a really good camp. I want to just throw that out there, but I've been very impressed with Saran Neal. And Matt, 
I talked to him a little bit after practice today about how impressed I've been with him and asking him about his coverage ability and the fact that he's getting more opportunity. He told me he worked out with Ray Buchanan in the offseason down in Atlanta, actually, to work on a lot of his coverage ability and you know his hands and his hips and all that kind of stuff. It's showing. I think that if Tredavious White you know, either A, isn't on the field September 8th against the Rams or isn't completely healthy, whereas they're backing off on him through whatever part of the season, to have a guy like Saran Neal that might be available to contribute at corner along with obviously Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson, I think would be such a benefit for this team. And I really, really have been impressed with how he's covered. He's not known for it. Got the contract extension in the offseason. That's for special teams play. But I'm going to go with uh, Saran Neal as my arrow up. Yeah, and I think he's one of those guys that, you know, we keep always talking about position versatility, and he really does have it to like a completely different level. And I think that he is such an important piece, even though he's more of a depth player, he can do a little bit of everything. If he needs to line up out wide, he can. It's not his first spot, and he probably wouldn't be outstanding at it, but you could at least line him up outside if you had to. If you want him to play big nickel, he can do that. If something happens to Taron, if they want to try and get a little bit bigger, they throw him on the field. And he's obviously a special teams day. So I think Saran Neal is one of those like under the radar players that if you're not in Buffalo or not a Bills fan, you probably have no familiarity with whatsoever. But he does play an important role. And I think that's why they were so eager to keep him here for a long term contract. All right. Arrow down for the defense is actually hard. I think the defense is uh, yeah. this camp. I really I've have been thinking about it. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I, so, I knew what I wanted to do for the first three. And then I get to this one and I'm like, Ooh, this is a little bit trickier. I now Look again. I do not want Bill's mafia to panic. When I say this, I think I might want to give it to Kyrie Elam because I, I still think he's got a learning curve here. He's been a little grabby as we've talked about things like that, but I think he's won his share and it's so tough. He's going against Davis and he's going against Diggs, Right. So maybe he'll listen to this and light a fire under him because I think maybe Coming out here, I'm like, okay, first round pick, all these all accolades at Florida. Like, I'm expecting some more picks and things like that. Maybe my expectations are too high for him. Again, I want to make it clear. I do not think he's struggled. I don't think he's had a bad camp. I think there's been times, though, where I've wanted to see him maybe be better than he's been. And I think he's learning and he's getting there. But right now, I'm going to put him on this list because I think the defense as a whole has been so good. That's the only thing I can really nitpick about. Yeah, I agree with you there. He would have probably been my first choice. I'm going to go, and like, we're really being nitpicky here. I'm going to go Boogie Basham. And the only reason I'm going to go Boogie Basham is because I have him in a group with Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa. And to me, those are kind of like the three young pass rushers who I think really needed to make a step. And I think before training camp, Boogie Basham was trending in the right direction. And he still is. Like, the sample size is small. I've seen more splash plays, though, from Epinesa and Rousseau than I have from Boogie up to this point, and he's even made a couple splash plays. So just by comparison to his peers, I'd say maybe he has been the... He's probably been pretty consistent, but he hasn't maybe made those same explosive plays that the other guys had. And that's not a knock on him because he is going to play a big role for this defense. This is another guy like he's going to be on the 53 man roster. He's going to get snaps and he's going to be featured and utilized up to this point, though. And this is almost more of an indictment on Epinesa. Epinesa has made a lot of plays like he is getting into the backfield, generating pressure, getting what would be sacks. They can't obviously sack the quarterback at this point. So I think those guys trending in the right direction, Basham kind of staying level. Water always finds its level. Maybe not jumping off the page like the other two. Somebody asked me at practice today, one of the fans, 
do you think AJ Vanessa could be a surprise cut? And I'd be like, and I was like, I don't think so. Like, not the way he's playing. I mean, they, they might have to, <laughs> excuse me, choose choose between him and Shaq or whatever. But I think at this point, there's no reason they can't keep five defensive ends. And that includes Boogie, by the way. I don't yeah. think Boogie would be on that list. I think Boogie's on no, this team no, no, is no. a second round pick from a year ago. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's pretty, it's pretty safe to say that it's going to be Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, and I think Shaq Lawson. Like I think all five of those guys are going to make the team. All right, that's Arrow Up, Arrow Down. You can actually read Arrow Up, Arrow Down after the uh, Bills games that I post at WGR550.com. All right, before we get to some fan questions, we have some really good ones that came in on this episode. At Sal Sports, at Matt underscore Bove on Twitter. Um, you can find us there. You can tweet us questions, things like that. We usually tell you when we're recording, and we try to pick some questions that are relative to the uh, time period that we're doing it or just some randomly cool ones. Before I do that, where do I send the check for you helping me to get out of the bunker on golf courses. Uh, that's I'm so glad you brought that up. I forgot about that until this very <laughs> moment. You know what? You don't have to send me a check. I was going to say you can just buy me dinner, but there we go. you don't need you really don't need to do that either <laughs> because you know the bills are feeding us out at training camp. So I you know what? You don't owe me anything, Sal. I'm glad I could help. For those of you listening, I gave Sal like a three minute bunker lesson when we were out golfing in Rochester and. There was a drastic difference in literally those three minutes of his shots out of the sand. So I'm glad I could help out. Yeah. And honestly, and I went again and I played again and I had two out of the bunker that were really nice shots. And I said to the people I was playing with, those are Matt Bove specials. I said that yeah. I, those are Matt. Bove. I said, he, he helped me. Now, look, I, I've always kind of known the process of getting out of the bunker. The issue was always, I didn't realize I was not opening my club face enough. I didn't know you had to be kind of flat. Like I knew the process where to hit it, hit the sand, how to put your feet. It was, it was really kind of the technique of holding the club. Yeah. The simplest way that I can ever explain it to anybody. And I'm sorry if you're not a golfer, but imagine the ball is in the sand, draw an imaginary lines, like an inch, an inch and a half behind the ball, open up the club face about as much as you can hit where that line is behind the ball and then just keep your head down and don't decelerate. Like you are hitting behind the sand and the bounce of your club is going to get the ball out of the sand. And honestly, if you get comfortable out of the sand, I would rather be in a greenside bunker than I would be in like a buried lie in the rough every single time, every single time. So I know sand scares away a lot of people. Yeah. Once you get relatively comfortable in it, it's really actually not that bad because you're just swinging as hard as you can and hitting behind the ball. It's awesome. Let the sand do the work, basically. Get that ball out of there by you know pushing that sand up. So yeah, thank you very much, Matt. You uh, helped me out a lot. All right, this comes to us from Sam. I really like this question because we don't talk about this player a lot. It's a good question. Thank you, Sam. He says, do you see a roster path for Reggie Gilliam? With all this talk of high-powered passing offense, I'm worried a fullback might may get overlooked. I mean, my, my reaction is no, that's not going to happen. He is on this. When you say, when he says, you see a roster path? Yes. The path is he's on the team. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to me, Matt, Reggie Gilliam's not on this team, right? There is a role for him. He's a really good special teams player and he can be a hybrid tight end and fullback. Yeah, that's the thing, because you can do so many things. And Brandon Bean always says, like, if you're not a starter, you better do a lot of things well on the set, you know, as kind of you go down your like list of responsibilities. If starting is your responsibility, number one, you better do all those other things well. And he does because he's got the versatility. You can line him up at tight ends. You can line him up at fullback. He can play special teams. He can do a little bit of everything. So I am fully expecting Reggie Gilliam to be on the team because he checks so many of those boxes. 
All right, looking over these uh, questions. Some of these we actually, we must be okay at this because we're answering, we've already answered a lot of questions. People asking about Terrell Bernard, uh, the receivers. We've already talked about a lot of those. All right. Um, Kroll asks, have you seen any difference in run scheme with new offensive line coach Cromer? Um, I don't know if I'd say run scheme. I, I don't think so. I think Aaron Cromer, I think you're going to probably see the same kind of looking offense because it's not Aaron Cromer. It's really Ken Dorsey who's running the offense. It's Aaron Cromer who's got to fit in his techniques and teaching to what Dorsey wants. And we already know without even describing anything we've seen that Dorsey is keeping a lot of what Brian Dable did. Yeah, I think that it's a good question, and I actually think we will as we get further into the preseason and then eventually into the season. But up to this point, it's really just tough to tell, especially because, like we always say, every running back looks like Barry Sanders when we're in training camp, when we're in the preseason. So I think that we will notice a difference, but I don't think that has happened yet. I think it's going to take a couple more weeks for us to actually have that. There was a play on Thursday. Isaiah McKenzie scored a touchdown out of the... uh, uh, He was... He was running. I can't describe the play. Sorry. Can't do that. So he scored a touchdown. And I, I don't want to get in <laughs> no, trouble. Good catch. Good right? catch. He, good I catch. can't do that. Media rules here. He scored a touchdown and it was in the red zone. And Scott asked, was it one of the prettiest of camp? Uh, and he goes into the play a little bit. And I would say it was. It was really pretty. There was a lot of that going on. So I was going to use that question, but I better stop myself short and not do that. So Scott, we'll get to him. Another Scott. If Trey can't go week one, guys, is Elam on the uh, other team's number one wide receiver or is that Dane's job. I haven't heard much of Dane in camp. All right. This is a good question. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay. So my initial reaction is I don't know if they would even put anybody on a number one receiver. What do you got? Cooper cup, Allen Robinson. Like, I think the bills just probably just play your left and your right in that situation. I agree. I don't think that they would specifically assign one of those guys to one of those players. I think it would just kind of, they would divide the field and however it happened to work out, it would work out because I don't think either of those guys is like heads and shoulders better than the other one, at least at this point in their careers. The expectations for for Kyir Elam should be much higher than they would be for Dan Jackson and just given the resources that they spent to get him with the first round pick. Um, but I don't know. I, like, I'm still not convinced, even though he hasn't been on the practice field, that Tredavious isn't going to be ready for week one. All the work that we see him doing on the side and just how good he looks with that, I think they are being as cautious as they can. They're not rushing him, but I feel no less confident that he'll be back now than I did two weeks ago when camp began. All right, final one here from the fans. Andy, I know the Bills ha- say they have full confidence in their backup safeties. So in saying that, in your opinion, um, on the backups, if Poyer or Hyde couldn't go week one, are they ready to just plug and play? So we're talking about Johnson, Hamlin, Josh Thomas. For you, Matt, are they plug and play guys? And can they just walk right in and do the job? Obviously not as well as Poyer or Hyde, all pros, but can they just be on the field and say, okay, we know what we're doing? Yeah, I think... Jaquan Johnson definitely can just because he's been around so long that he understands the verbiage that they're going to use. He understands all of the schemes of the defense and he understands what has made Poyer and Hyde so successful because he's been in that room for so long with them. I like Tamar Hamlin. I like Josh Thomas. I think those guys have, you know, really nice roles on this team. There will be a dramatic drop off though, because we're talking about two of the best players at their position in the entire league. But, you know, it seems like they're both going to be ready to go for the regular season. So definitely crisis averted as you look around the league and you see all these players getting hurt for the bills. It feels like they may have dodged a bullet. All right. Before we let everybody go here, I have a question for you, Matt. And if you have one for me, you can go ahead or say what you want to say. You got something you want to say? No, I want to, I want to bring up one more. And this is from, this is from Scott 
to okay. he says BBB usually has at least one trade up his sleeve at <laughs> roster cutdown. Who is the guy on either side of the ball that's most likely to be tr- traded before the season? It's a very interesting question. Is there any player on the current team that you think they could tr- trade or would be interested in trading? I do. I think that if things did not work out for AJ Epinesa, he could be that guy. Yep. From what you said, I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. He could be your Daryl Williams this year, right? Remember they traded no, Daryl John- Johnson, excuse me. Dar- too many Daryls. Too yeah. many Daryls. He could be your Daryl Johnson from last year when they found a trading partner. On the offensive side, I'm going to say Cody Ford would be that guy for me. Last year of a rookie contract, maybe it doesn't work out. You, you, you figure, you know what? We can get something for him. He's a former second-round pick. So I think those mm-hmm. are the kinds of guys. I'm not predicting it. You asked the question, Scott. So I'm just yeah. answering the best I can for trying to pick out guys who would be like that. Yeah, the Cody Ford was going to be where I went to because even though he hasn't had success up to this point in his NFL career, I think you could find a team out there that maybe was you know pretty high on him when it was his time to be drafted, and they were like, okay, well we have a you know we have an injury or we have a void here. Let's throw the Bills a seventh round pick and see if they're willing to part ways with the guy. And in that situation, I almost would. I have one question for you though because I heard an interesting yeah. name brought up today, and it made me think. If you and I understand the risks that come with this player, mm-hmm. everybody was talking about Odell Beckham because of the whole Andre Reed thing and the Instagram post and him saying that he wants to go. I, I just don't see that as being super realistic. If you were the Bills, though, would you have any interest in bringing in Will Fuller? Because I would. I think I would, especially if I think I'm not going to have the option of Marquez Stevenson for a while. Yeah. And I, the reason I say that is. They don't have that kind of speed on this team. I think Isaiah can run, but mm-hmm. I think they do need a little bit more of that top end speed, Matt. I mean, he's still out there. I don't yeah. think it would cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I know the injury risk that comes with it. It feels like he never is able to play even multiple games in a row, let alone a full season. But I feel like as such a secondary option, he's still a good player. Like when he's on the field, Will Fuller is a player that defenses can't completely forget about. So I'm not saying bring him in to be your number two wide receiver or even your number three wide receiver, but if there's an option there, like he is a name that's very interesting to me. And if that feels more realistic than, you know, going to sign Odell Beckham does, but, but if Odell Beckham doesn't have a team and you're halfway through the season and you really think you can win the Super Bowl, I'm making that phone call too. Yeah. And, and again, I think, yeah, you're right. He can play. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, right? That's a big deal with this team guy staying healthy it's a really big deal so you know what you wonder how that mud play into something like that but yeah i think it's a really good question and maybe a good option all right matt um so you missed the turkey burger for lunch today but i don't want to ask you about the turkey burger they also had tater tots for the media okay Okay, so so when you walk when you look at the menu and they say you can have tots rings or fries which one you you going for that's a great question sale that is a great great question that's Mm -hmm. the best question that i've heard in a while okay i'm Always fries first. Almost Dude, all. me too. Yes. Almost I'm a always. fries guy. Yes. I like I would take regular fries, curly fries, steak fries, all of those ones before I would get to onion rings or tater tots. I feel like there's like a time and a place for both tater tots and onion rings, but if given the option, 90% of the time I'm gonna go French fries. Me too. Now, if there's no fries and it's just tots or rings, what's second? What do you- or just what's your second place there? For me, it would be tots. 
I think I go rings. I had rings the other day. Like I'm, I think I'm more into rings, but I do like tots. Like all that, you can't go wrong with any of the three, right? But I think no, I would go onion rings no, no. over tater tots. Yeah, I think I'm not a huge onion guy. Like it's hard to not like onions. That's a big when part of it, right? I'm not a huge onion guy, so like it's hard to not like onions when they're deep fried and mm-hmm. delicious, like they are in onion ring form. But I think like extra crisp. I don't like to, the thing about tater tots is. Like a bad tater tot can kind of be bad. Mm-hmm. A really good tater tot, like the really crunchy ones, like I want, I don't want the mushy consistency. I want really crisp, crunchy tater tots. And I don't think people do them well, or maybe they're not done as well as I would like at most places. And that's why I don't get them. All right. Well, Matt, uh, Remind everybody where they can get all your coverage because I know some listeners may be just coming aboard. In fact, one of our questions was, what is the podcast called? So apparently uh, people are just getting this and it's called It's Always Game Day in Buffalo and you can get it wherever you pod. So where can you find Matt Bove? You can find Matt Bove on Channel 7 basically every day of the week and online at WKBW.com. On social media, Matt underscore Bove. You know, we appreciate anybody who's watching, anybody who's tuning in, and of course, anybody who's listening to the podcast. Because even Sal and I, we've been in Rochester for a couple weeks now, and we've had just people come up to us and be like, "Hey, love listening to the pod. Keep up the great work." And that's always fun to hear. Like it, it's always exciting. We, you know, we enjoy doing this, but it is also nice to see that it's well received. So, thank you to those of you who have been listening. And if it's your first time listening, welcome aboard. And we hope you can join us for more episodes in the future. Okay. Yep. And uh, we definitely appreciate you listening here to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. By the way, I did meet Dom Tibbetts out at camp today. Very nice young man. And you can watch him on Channel 7 as well. You can catch me on WGR Sports Radio 550. And of course, the Extra Point Show. And uh, you can hear me out here at camp with uh, Howard and Jeremy and what we got going on. So we appreciate you listening to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Till the next time, for Matt Bovey, I'm Sal Capaccio.